What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. All right, welcome in, Addicts. This is a special emergency, emergency? Special edition. No, it's not an emergency. Let's go special edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Verderam. Uh, we've got a special guest today. Uh, he is the co-host of the Stacking the Box podcast that Verderam does um, every week. And uh, his name is Mark Carman. Mark, how's it going, man? Welcome. Patrick, good to see you. Matt Verderam, I think I know you too. Patrick, you're my boss. Matt Verderam, you're my Stacking the Box podcast partner. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, super uh, excited to have you on. Verderam gets all the karm he can handle this week. <laughs> that is true. It, that, is, a, that is very true. It's a very rough week for Matt Verderam, but this is a good uh, little time for us to come together and talk some Jamal Charles, right? Yeah, it definitely is. So Mark had the pleasure of sitting down with Jamal Charles, who is working with Crown Royal. And Mark talked with Jamal earlier today, actually. And they touched on a number of topics. And we're actually going to be bringing you snippets of Mark's interview with Jamal as the weeks go on here. When when we have time, we're going to just you know touch on a couple of topics. Uh, some good off-season fodder in there as well. The topic that we wanted to talk about today is that Mark asked Jamal if he thought Jamal was a Hall of Famer, if he should be in the Hall of Fame. And this is something that I know a lot of Chiefs fans have talked about. There's been debates on Twitter, Reddit threads, so on and so forth. Uh, And it's a really interesting conversation. We're going to play it for you right now. And you can listen to that on the other side. We'll let you know what we think, if we think Jamal Charles should be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, we'll cue that sound up and we'll see you guys on the other side. Jamal, do you belong in the Hall of Fame? I think I do, man. Uh, I got yards, uh, the yards per carry. Uh, I was the only one that rushed for uh, a thousand yards under uh, under uh, uh, two hundred carries. Uh, I mean, my my stacks uh, speaks for itself. I just able wasn't able to stay healthy. But I mean, who out there that that I know besides that have that 
have a longevity than me, like Frank Gore, that I have more all pros than him. Do you think that you'll get in? Do you think you're getting the res- you'll eventually get the respect you deserve? I mean, I should. I mean, looking at some of the, of the lists that I'm still at a high, I, even though that other guys might have more yards than me, uh, I feel like having a two-time uh, first-team all pros, having a second-team all pros, many, many guys ahead of me don't even have uh, two all pros. So uh, looking at that is just that, okay, how, how can I compare uh, my stats to their stats by just because they have more yards than me? But uh, at the end of the day, my, my yards per carry will kill them. Uh, they touched the ball way more than I did, if you can if you see that. But me, I only really played seven years, really seven years, because of the other three years, I got hurt. And the first ACL, you came back from like nothing, but the second one was totally different. At that point, it was like, were you too compromised? Like, how would you? The second one? Uh, yeah. The second ACL, just that just wasn't. I just couldn't get right. I just, it just wasn't, uh, I think I rushed it. And I feel like I, I wanted to come back as fast when I was a much older age. Uh, my second time I, I toured, and then I did it the first time. So it was just that I rushed it, and I wish I would have never did that. And I feel like I was feeling pressured by the, the coaches, the organization to get out on the field. And I wasn't ready yet. All right. Really interesting conversation, Mark. Uh, I know you guys talked uh, a lot of other topics too. You talked about Todd Haley and Scott Pioli, whether or not Jamal thought the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. Spoiler alert, he does. Um, but let's, uh, well, first of all, what just Mark, since you talked to Jamal, what were your just impressions of, of speaking with him? So I love Jamal. He is just a even though he's fairly boastful here in, you know, saying that he belongs in the Hall of Fame, I just always found him to be a very humble dude. I was fortunate enough to be working in Kansas City uh, in the middle of his career. I was there from 09 to 11. And like anybody who watched Jamal Charles in the Chiefs uh, jersey, you loved it because anytime he touched the football, he could take it to the house. And the guy was just phenomenal. And track star turned football player who you unfortunately had a, you know, two ACL tears and the second one effectively basically ended his career. But he was humble today. He's always been humble and uh, just a good-hearted guy. It's a learning disability, was counted out, you know, got himself through college. I loved what he had to say about the University of Texas, how he got himself a tutor and they made sure that he was getting the education that he deserved there. Uh, and I, I like his honesty, man. He's just blunt. Yes, I belong. I averaged 5.4 yards per carry. Look at my numbers. Uh, you know, and he had years early in his career having 6.4 yards of carry his third season. And I mean, the guy was a ridiculous player, and I, and I love him as a person. I think he was at 5.5 yards per carry before those last couple of years with, with Denver and Jacksonville. It kind of came down a little bit. Verderam, what's, what's your take on this? Jamal cited a number of things, obviously, the, the, the number of first-team All-Pros that he has, the average. He doesn't have the longevity, obviously. What's your take? I think Jamal Charles is a great player. And in the 25 years I've watched football, he would be one of the first three or four guys I would want if I was in a Super Bowl and I needed a running back. He'd be right there. Now, I'd probably take Barry Sanders. But after that, I mean, Emmett Smith and Charles – Peterson, I don't think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Um, listen, the, the argument for Charles is that he rushed for 5.4 yards in a tenth, which if you take out quarterbacks, uh, is the best in NFL history. And that is a huge feather in the cap. 
He did make the All-Pro, first-team All-Pro team twice. That matters. Four-time Pro Bowler. Doesn't matter as much, but certainly doesn't hurt. Um, the things that hurt him are the longevity. I mean, he, he only played really you know, five seasons. I mean, he only had five seasons where he had at least 75 carries. Um, th- that hurts. He led the league in touchdowns once in rushing. He had five years of over 1,000 yards. He did catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, all told, he had over 10,000 yards from scrimmage. That is significant. And I do think it merits a conversation. Do I think he was a Hall of Fame talent? Yes. No question. If Jamal Charles had stayed healthy, I don't even think it's an argument. And if you look at all-time rushing yards leaders, okay, he's 56th all-time. He is the, the closest person to him, right above him, is Terrell Davis. Right. I know Chief fans will argue Terrell Davis is similar. Terrell Davis also had a short career. They, they finished very close in yards rushing. The difference is that Terrell Davis had a 2,000-yard season. He won the MVP. He won Super Bowl MVP. And he, and he won two Super Bowl titles. Outside of Kansas City, a lot of people probably have a hard time nailing down what is Jamal Charles' signature moment. And I think that that's going to hurt. I think the Chiefs have a better chance of getting Eric Berry in the Hall of Fame because he made the All-Decade team and his story. He's so well-known. I just think Charles, look, if you want to argue that he should get in, to me the argument is the argument for like Floyd Little, who got in the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago at the senior committee. Okay, he rushed for 43 touchdowns. Charles rushed for 44. Little had 87 yards, 8,700 yards from scrimmage. Jamal Charles had over 10,000. Uh, Little only rushed for 3.9 yards in attempt. Obviously, Charles way, way, way above that. I do think he'll get consideration, but I think because his career was so short due to injury that he's going to have a tough time actually getting in. So how do you compare him to Gale? Because, yeah, okay, Gale Sayers had the six-touchdown game. I get it. But, right. I don't know, more yards per carry. Gale's career lasted four and a half seasons. I mean, he was – widely considered at the time, obviously the greatest running back in the game. Jamal never had that type of a claim, even when he was running well. But right. I, you know, when you look at the numbers, I, and, and then I'm just looking at the hall of famers Verram that have more or have less yards than he, right. That are in Leroy Kelly, John Henry Johnson, Floyd Little, who you just mentioned, Steve Van Buren, Hugh McElhenney, uh, Lenny Moore, Ali Matson, Gail Sayers, and then Marion Motley, who by the way, Motley did average, uh, 5.7 yards per carry, so more a lot than of that Jamal. Was in the AFC, which right. is why it doesn't matter for the NFL. Yeah, and he's you know not a true running back; he was a fullback. But anyway, uh, like when you look at those names, does that help him at all? Or, I mean, it or, doesn't or, hurt. Or, the thing with Sayers is, as you point out, okay, I'm I'm taking out 1970 and 71 where he played two games in each year and was completely shot at that point. The other five years of his career, from 65 years for rookie through 69. He was the first team all pro running back every single year in an age where there were a lot of very good running backs. I mean, Leroy, now, now there were less teams. There were less, there were far less teams. So if you want to argue, hey, there's less competition, fine. Sayers has like a mythical quality about him, though. And I think that's a big, you know, Sayers, like if you look at Dick Butkus's career, like Sam Mills had more production than Dick Butkus. But who the hell wants Sam Mills over Butkus, right? Like, no, and no offense to Mills, he's a great player. I actually think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But Butkus has that mythical quality about him. Sayers had that even as a young guy. 
I don't think Charles had that. Now, now Sayers is interesting from the standpoint, you're right, the six-touchdown game as a rookie, that is the the big shining moment for him. Um, they never went to the playoffs with, with Sayers. They, you know, they, they were a bad team his entire career there. Um, the Chiefs did have a couple of times when they went to the playoffs, and unfortunately for Charles, he got hurt both times in the first half of the games. He didn't play uh, beyond that. Listen, if it was up to me, if I were a Hall of Fame voter, I would pound the table from the standpoint of he never played with a, a really good team. He, he was always the focal point. The line in front of him was average at best most of those years. And the guy continued just over and over and over. And nobody, including, by the way, Adrian Peterson, has a better highlight reel than Jamal Charles. I mean, it's like watching a video game. So, I, like I said, I think his talent is worthy of it for sure. I just think you're going to have to get the right people and they're bang on the table and say, no, no, no. If you watched him, he's worthy of it. I don't know that that'll happen. If you look at the guys, the yards per carry list, in number three, Barry Sanders. Number two, Jim Brown. Number one, Jamal Charles. When we talk story, if you go back and look at, maybe it didn't get publicized as such a great story. It definitely wasn't publicized. Obviously, Eric Berry coming back, winning all pro after fighting cancer. Charles did, though. He rushed for 1,467 yards in 2010. Tears his ACL early in the 2011 season. Comes back from ACL surgery and rushes for 1,509 yards. Scores five touchdowns, and I think he had 236 yards receiving that yeah, year. How many, games, how many games did the Chiefs win that year? Two. Two. They were terrible. I mean, right. <laughs> here's the thing. Usually when you're a terrible team, you got the quarterback putting up a bunch of inflated stats and garbage time. This guy was breaking off runs when they, they, they teams came in and knew like he was the guy that they needed to stop. He was the game wrecker. I would also argue that he was criminally underutilized by Todd Haley, who for a whole season was trotting Thomas Jones out there and starting Thomas Jones just because he was trying to make a point about big, you know, tough football guys or whatever the hell he was thinking. Listen, that to me, like that is the best year Charles ever had. I mean, he started six of the 16 games rushed for 6.4 yards of carry, gaining 1,467 yards and he had eight touchdowns. And, and all-purpose had over 1,900 yards from scrimmage. I mean, that year, look, in 2013, he, he was also all-pro, played 15 games, 1,287 on the ground, 12 touchdowns to lead the league. He had another seven touchdowns receiving, 70 catches, 693 yards. I mean, and then, you know, those two – and those were his two all-pro years. Um Look, nobody loves Jamal Charles more than me. I know we're we're not shooting the video portion of this, but right over my shoulder is a signed 16 by 20 of him running the running the football at the Superdome that year he came back from injury. Um, Jamal Charles is my fair player ever. And he has a great story in his own right. I mean, here's a guy who overcame issues as a youngster. I mean, he was in the Special Olympics when he was younger. You know, comes out of Texas as a third-round pick. Nobody thought anything of him as a rookie. Barely played. He had fumbling issues. Nobody has a higher opinion of Jamal Charles than I do. I love Jamal Charles as a player. And I, and I think, again, like if you said to me, who do you think was the better player at their peak? Him or Jerome Bettis? I mean, come on now. It's not even an argument. Nobody in God's green earth has taken Jerome Bettis with, a, with a, any kind of, of non-bias over Jamal Charles. I, I think to me, though, that the problem is just the longevity. 
he's going to have to have some, you know, the committee's going to have to overlook that really he, he essentially played five years. And if they, if they, if they value the production at his peak over longevity, he's a hall of famer, no doubt. But I think the longevity thing is going to hurt. I mean, if, if you're making a, an argument, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Patrick. Sh- no, sh- I was just gonna, if he's on a different team, right? I mean, the Terrell Davis thing is the thing that drives me nuts. I, I understand he had a 2,000 yard season. He's MVP. Jamal, Jamal had a 1,500 yard season. He had a 1,400 yard season. He just was on a crappy team and he had bad coaches who didn't utilize him to the, to the fullest extent. You know, another thing too is it, the 2013 season, which probably gets overlooked a lot, only 1,287 yards rushing, but he had 693 yards receiving in that season, 70 receptions. I mean, if, if, he had the, if he had the right scheme too earlier, he was devastating. I, I get it. And that's, but unfortunately that, you know, circumstance is part of it. Like, I mean, Terrell Davis essentially played four years. He was all pro in three of them, pro bowl in three of them. He was the, on the all 90s team as a running back, which not not exactly a, a joke of competition. I mean, Emmett Smith, Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders, you go on down the line. He was named the MVP. That is a huge deal. He was the offensive player of the year. He won two Super Bowls. He was a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, that's just, he accomplished more. I mean, in his career, look, and, and, look, it kills me to say it about a Denver Bronco, but it's the truth. I mean, he had 60 rushing touchdowns. He led the league in rushing touchdowns twice. He also caught the ball out of the backfield. Like, do I think Terrell Davis was a lot better? No, I don't. I don't. But by the, and I'll go on record. I always, before Terrell Davis was in the Hall of Fame, I always said he should have been. He was one of the best running backs I ever saw. I am a personal believer in the guy at his peak. Give me that guy over the guy who was good for 13 years. Like, Frank Gore is going to be in the Hall of Fame, and he deserves to be. But nobody in the world thinks Frank Gore at his peak was a better player than Jamal Charles. He wasn't. At no point was Frank Gore as good as Jamal Charles. But he's done it for 88 years, and he's going to get in. I agree with you. Look, if you took Charles and put him in a time machine and put him on this Chiefs team, oh, my God, he walks in. He walks into Canton. But he wasn't. He was on the 9 and 2012 team that won a combined, you know, whatever it was, six games with Matt Castle. It's just unfair. It's unfortunate, but it, it, it is reality. I mean, I think to your point, Matt, if, if we're betting on will he or won't he, get, well, how will they vote? The 48-member committee, I would tend to agree that I would bet against because it's a very nuanced argument and you have to really, you know, you have to. Sorry, my internet here was doing something. But you have to really have been in Kansas City and really known what you were seeing because this wasn't the Chief, This wasn't a Chiefs team that was, you know, playing Thursday night, Sunday night football at that point in time. You had to have been there to really appreciate them. And if you weren't, then you just don't know that. Oh my God, this dude was incredible. Once he broke through the line, like you weren't going to catch him. One cut gone. And to your point earlier, Matt, like the, the highlight reels, go back and watch those highlight reels. They don't catch him. I mean, and he doesn't necessarily have a huge margin in a lot of the leads that he's got going down the sidelines, but he just pulls away. And he's and the, the cuts were unbelievable. So, and I always like to look at what were you at the at your best? Where were you? And at his best, the dude belongs. But I don't think that's not how they tend to look at these things. It's very rare they do that. I, I think, again, 
talent-wise, talent-wise, he is a first ballot Hall of Fame talent. He was unbelievable to watch. I'm not kidding when I say this. He is the only reason I watched the Chiefs for a handful of years. I mean, he really was. Like, it was disappointing if they threw the football because it was like, oh, God, I got to watch, watch Matt Castle throw to Anthony Fasano. Or whoever. Like, the Chiefs, the most exciting they were back in those was when they had a game where he was just rolling. And I'll be honest, look, if you want to make another argument for him, he was one of the better blocking running backs I've ever seen in the pocket, which you wouldn't think looking at him, he was a phenomenal blocker. He, he could catch the ball. He was a lot tougher than people give him credit for. You look at his size, he was not a big guy. He'd run no. between the tackles. One of my favorite games ever with him, and any Chief fan of, of a certain age will remember it, when they played Seattle in 2014 at Arrowhead, and Seattle came in there, and that was at the height of Legion of Boom, and they had a great front and everything. Jamal Charles destroyed them in that game. I mean, you go back and watch, and God knows it was not the – that was the year the Chiefs didn't draw a touchdown to a receiver. Like, they had no passing game. And the Seahawks, who had one of the best defenses of all time, just loading up to stop him, made no difference. I, I forget exactly how many yards he rushed for in that game. It was ridiculous. And you go back and look at the highlights of that game. It was absolutely comical how great he was against probably the best defense you ever ran up against. It, it, you're right to bring up his toughness, too. Not a big guy. And if you watched him, he took some hits, man. I mean, he took some serious licks. Was it the Raiders that just, like, suplexed him on the sideline one time and drew a personal foul Denver. penalty? It was Denver. I think so. Like, by by the way, so, uh, for the record, that Seattle game, 20 carries, 159 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he, he had a pretty nice deck. I got nothing else other than <laughs> I really don't like I just I really it was just an easy guy for me to root for. I it was like this wholesome good hearted Kansas City not getting the respect around the NFL that he deserved and again I just like that he's hey man look at my numbers I belong in the hall no apologies. That's what I think. And I mean, if we, if we had Todd Haley or Scott Pioli or Matt Castle or bring back Dwayne Bowe or who was the tight end out of Iowa, Tony Maioki with the uh, Moyaki, right. Moyaki with the one handed grab in the end zone in the 10 win chiefs uh, playoff year in the middle of uh, the start of, you know, Jamal's career. I think they'd all tell you straight up, Hall of Famer by themselves without the cameras, you just, you know, hanging out with them. I think that's what they would all say, 100%. So, and, and that's, and, and if you asked, you know, let's go back and ask Denver and, and, and the Raiders and everybody else, what was that? Was this guy good enough? I think they would all say yes. Somebody's going to need to go in there and get the, and just start pounding the table for him. It's the only, it's the only way, right? It's probably going to take a number of years if it ever does happen for him to even get serious consideration, right? I nominate Verderim. Let's get him in there. I would love to. I am not a Hall of Fame voter, but I do know a few, so I'll, I'll put in a good word. <laughs> uh, any, any other interesting nuggets you can just give us real quick before we get out of here, Mark, from your, your talk with Jamal, anything that surprised you? Something you can tease that we can play for everybody later? Well, yeah, you, you know, down the line, you guys can hit the Todd Haley piece. And, you know, you were talking about Patrick, how he wasn't used right. He was very complimentary to Haley. Not so much to uh, Scott Pioli. We basically said they had, you know, 
next to no relationship with. Um, and I thought his stuff, you know, talking about the University of Texas, uh, which is a great school, but not exactly, at least I was of the impression that, you know what, maybe all they care about is football at UT. But, uh, you know, Jamal's a guy that, uh, again, learning disability, Special Olympics, all that. He got great attention at Texas as far as tutors and getting himself through. And he talked about how he would just, he's, I had no problem asking questions. And they, it would, uh, you know, they, they actually invested in him off the field, which was just kind of fun to hear that, that UT did that. So, um, yeah, uh, and he's, yes, he thinks the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And I think he's, he's got six Super Bowls for, for Mahomes as, as he's chasing Tom and, uh, and that Michael Jeffrey Jordan guy, too, who he threw in there, which I always appreciate. Arm is a big Chicago guy. Uh, all right, so, fellas, when can our Arrowhead Attic listeners get more scope on the whole NFL by listening to the Stacking the Box podcast? Well, we are on Sunday nights. Is our is our one recording time after your standard NFL Sunday slash playoffs? So it's been a, it's a lot of fun right now. And then we do another one. Another one drops on Wednesday afternoon. So twice a week, stacking the box, baby. That's right, Carm. Before we go, we we already did this. Who do you got in the divisional rounds this weekend? I'm pretty much going straight chalk. I, I think the Chiefs roll. Um, I'm taking the saints and, uh, I'm going with Buffalo. So, which is, uh, I guess the most interesting game. And then, uh, and I like green Bay a lot by a lot. So we'll see. It's kind of boring. I know, but that's how I see it. I think if Aaron Donald is right, watch out for the Rams, that defense, if they can get, if they can get going, if they can start causing problems for the green Bay offense, I know everybody wants to see Mahomes uh, and Rodgers in the Super Bowl. I would, the football fan of me would like to see that. The Chiefs fan of me would like to see, oh, geez, I don't know, maybe maybe Tampa, maybe old man Brady. Already wiped the floor with him. Brady or Breeze. If, if Green Bay loses to the Rams with broken thumb Jared Goff, and granted they've got a great defense, you, I mean, you might as well bring Aaron Rodgers on down to Chicago for him to finish out his career. You can't, you cannot lose that game right now in this season. You're going to win the MVP. You can't, can't happen. It'd be disgusting, but you know, Hey, there's, you're not the only one that's saying that the Rams are going to give him problems. He's only been to one Super Bowl. I know it. You know, I he's know only been to, he's great, but he's only been uh, to one. You got to get it done against those tough defenses in the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, that is a different team when they can run the ball. And now that they got Cam Akers going, it's going to be interesting. I, that's the game I'm most uh, fascinated to watch this this weekend because uh, I don't think the Browns are going to put up a fight against Kansas City. All right, fellas, thank you for hopping on for a little little special edition. Get everybody uh, get everybody excited for the playoff game this Sunday. The Arrowhead Addict Podcast will be back on Sunday night after all the games are done. Ferdram is an Iron Man. He records the Arrowhead Addict Podcast and the Stag in the Box Podcast back to back. So. Um, You'll be able to download all that Sunday night or Monday morning. And uh, thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.